0: If you have your Bibles, we're in the book of Exodus. I'd like to turn back there. And again, can we get a little bit of light just so people can see? I want to make sure people can see the, uh, their Bibles because we're in the second book of the Bible all the way back. Many of us in this season, including sometimes me, I feel like I got my nose to the floor a little bit. Not like my dog. My dog, like, wow, she'll get out there. She'll get her nose to the floor. She's tracing a squirrel or something. I mean more like I'm just getting by. And the week is kind of a grind. And the next day comes, and I just want to get through it. I I need work. I need time with my family. I want to make it. And I I come to church for a breath. I I get to to praise the Lord, and it's, it's good. And I'm looking for refreshment, looking for hope outside of me. And then the pastor says, we're talking about the plagues today. <laughs> the plagues? Like you start thinking about that, right? We're in the Sunday school stuff. I mean, I'm a, I'm a product of Western civilization. I understand red algae blooms. Maybe that's what was going on back then. What We could talk about the plagues. How is that going to help me? So I, I just want to emphasize as we start today, this. What we're looking at is one of those events stretched out over just a few weeks that God wanted his people to remember forever. It was so important. Tell your kids about this. Make sure you know it's a big deal what God is doing in our text today. And so I want to make it, if I can, come alive to you. I I know that we get in a place where, well, maybe it all happened. I don't really... Honestly, do I really care? Does it really matter? Why is it helpful today? So, I mean, maybe you've heard it and, and there's some truth in it. We'll look at it together. That it's sort of God versus the Egyptian gods. Happy and hecht and all those Egyptian gods and God's better than all of them. And You know, they had 114 deities, the Egyptians did. Talk about like a pluralistic society. Not like Us in some ways. So I'd have a component of God showing he's more supreme than the Egyptian variety of God. So, not here for a history lesson, Swanson. Well, 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 God over the world, over the things that enslave and over gods, and you have to start thinking, and I want you to think as we start to go today, and I'll help you walk through it this way, is that you worship things. You give weight to things, give glory to things. You have things you want that you strive after. And here's God freeing his people from the world and what they worship. That's pretty pretty interesting, actually, if you start going that way over objects of worship. And so I, we're going to think a little bit about what give gives weight in our lives. What I'm after, really, what I, I think you're after because I know I am too. And, and there's going to be three sets of three. There's a clear textual stuff going on in our in our Bible this morning as we look at Exodus and we pick it up in, in chapter 7. And three sets of three and then a final bang. Huge explosion. And we're just tackling the first set of three today. But God acting to free his people from the world, from Pharaoh, and destroying the power of their gods. It's not about gods. It's about us. And we're faced with the text like this. It's so easy to see, and we'll see even as we go. And you say, hey, okay, I see, man, I worship these things. And you do. You worship some things that are wrong. You say, well, I'll we'll stop that right away. No. This text is about the deliverance of God. He delivers us. It's a big deal. Okay, so we're going to pick it up. We're picking up this, the finger of God. That's what we're calling this because it's actually in the text. The finger of God that's at work today against these Egyptian gods. And we're going to start with vitality. Yeah, vitality. So pick it up with me. Chapter 7, it's beginning in verse 14. Here we go. Then then Yahweh, that's the name there whenever it's in all caps, right? Then Yahweh said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refuses to let the people go. So go to Pharaoh in the morning as he's going out to the water. Stand on the bank of the Nile to meet him. And take in your hand the staff that turned into a serpent. And you shall say to him, Yahweh the God of the Hebrews sent me to you saying, let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness. But so far you have not obeyed. Okay, that's the setup, right? We know this setup. We've been, we've been talking about it for a couple weeks. I mean, they, that's what's going to happen. God's told Moses and this is going to happen. And we've all heard the story before many of us have that. Yeah, there's going to be a bunch of these because Pharaoh won't respond. Goes all the way back to Exodus chapter 5, verse 2, when Pharaoh says to Moses, Who is Yahweh that I should obey him? Who is he? It's a good question, right? <laughs> this is who he is. This is what he says. Thus says the Lord, verse 17 By this you shall know that I am Yahweh. Behold, with the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water that is in the Nile and it shall turn into blood. The fish in the Nile shall die. The Nile will stink and the Egyptians will grow weary of drinking water from the Nile. That's what's gonna happen, right? Water to blood, fish gonna die, big stink. Oh, you're not gonna like to drink this stuff and yahweh said to moses say to aaron take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of egypt over their rivers their canals their ponds and their pools of water so that they may become blood and there shall be blood throughout all the land of egypt even in vessels of wood vessels of stone all at the same time all of their water is going to turn to blood commentators talk about the red, red sediment of the Nile, like somehow they're like, "Oh look, the water got kind of red." No, that's not what this says. I mean, it's more understandable to me, because I've seen it before, maybe you have two red algae blooms, right, where water all of a sudden turns red because all the algae starts to bloom in it, and it just becomes this mass of red. Maybe that's a little more the image in terms of, of the color, but not in terms of what's being said. It's being said it's blood and it's blood everywhere. I don't even care so much, right, if it's blood or algae cause, because it's happening at the command of Moses. I just think I've had some water here and I just put it on and I said, okay, when I say so, it's going to turn red. It's going to kill everything in it. Boom, Pfft, Happens. Whoa. That's pretty Amazing. Moses says go, and the water turns red, and then it happens at the command of God, right? So God has control over this stuff, and and water to blood, it echoes, right? But it's been going on for years in Egypt, which is what? The Egyptians were taking baby Israelites and killing them in the Nile. And it turns to blood, you guys. It echoes what's going to happen, the Red Sea collapsing on the male army of Egypt, water to blood, there you've got Moses and Aaron. They did as the Lord commanded. In the sight of Pharaoh, in the sight of his servants, he lifted up the staff and he struck the water in the Nile and all the water in the Nile turned to blood. The fish in the Nile died and the Nile stank so that the Egyptians could not drink water from the Nile. There was blood throughout all the land of Egypt It happens. Water was blood and and that's where they got their drinking water. That was the source of their life. The whole economy of Egypt runs off of the Nile. That's where the water goes in to raise crops. That's where the fish get caught to get food. That's where everything happens and then a big deal. All of a sudden they're scraping in pits to try and get water that's not blood. And in one swoop, it's gone. But the magicians of Egypt did the same as by their secret arts. So Pharaoh's heart remained hardened. He would not listen to them as Yahweh had said. So Pharaoh turned and went to his house. And he did not take even this to heart. And the Egyptians dug along the Nile for water to drink, for they couldn't drink the water of the Nile. And seven full days passed after the Lord had struck the Nile. Okay, so that's the first plague. Pretty amazing. Kind of cool. I don't really even understand it now. If I say, how, how did all that water just turn to blood and how much of it And the Nile is really long and did all of it from the headwaters all the way to the end and then all the tributaries and all the water even in pots, everything's all blood? What's going on really? The God of the Nile was named Happy. I know I'm pronouncing it wrong, but I just love how they spell it. Like happy with an I. Hoppy. But it meant kind of happy. Why? Because that was the whole deal. It was the vitality, the very power of life flowing from the Nile. That's what this God was. He, He Power because of the Nile. That's where life came from. Fullness of life. And you know what? Everybody I know Stop being an Egyptian for a minute. Take away the hieroglyphs. Take away the funny picture of the person with the bowl on his head. (laughs) Oh, look who would ever worship that. I don't know anybody that doesn't worship life. Fullness of life. I love athletic stuff. Why? Because it's striving to the limits of someone's amazing abilities. I want to be like that. You so say, well, I don't like athletics, so I don't do that. No, no, no. I'm not. We're talking about vitality. We're talking about, we're talking about life that gets sold to you on, 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 on commercials about family, community, friends. We're talking about food and parties together. You know, fellowship around the table. This thing that life is that we all have. Every person I know, if you say, what do you really want out of church? I want community. Why? Because we long for Life. I like good times with people. That's what we're talking about. I, I have this deep longing for it. So much so that I chase after it. That that's that's what gets taken away from these guys. Their joy, gladness, happy community, and good food, and family, and friends, vitality, and our gods are are these, what will make me happy and fulfilled, and we grasp after it, and, and they don't satisfy, that's for sure, but we think they will, until it gets exposed, right? Maybe it's my spouse, I think, is going to give me an awesome life, and then that disappoints. Maybe my kids, maybe my job, maybe having enough stuff, you know, if I just had money. It's all these things that we... We start to go after the opinion of other people. We want fullness of life. And God goes to the Egyptians, this God of the fullness vitality, and he punches them in the face and takes it away the nile's done all their vitality all their life flow and now it's changed to blood right there's no plenty there pharaoh's hopes are nothing fullness is only to be found actually what in the blood of christ it's coming so he dismantles their vitality it crumbles away like life and and boy if you don't see your life and this happening some I, it does We have these longings. I'm just showing you the longings for now and and, and want to walk through with you because the next one's fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. And it looks like frogs. So chapter eight, then the Lord, Yahweh, said to Moses, here comes number two, go into Pharaoh and say to him, thus says Yahweh, let my people go that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will plague all of your country with frogs. Come on. Don't tell me you don't find that weird. Let my people go or I'm going to make a lot of frogs appear. Okay, God. Frogs. Little ones or big ones? That's kind of weird, right? Right? I mean, it's okay. It's okay it's, I, I read my Bible too all the time. I'm like, well, okay, great. God sent frogs. And then I want to just go on because I don't understand that it's actually something amazing. Let's keep going. And then we'll come back to it. <sighs> I will plague your country with frogs. The Nile shall swarm with frogs that shall come up from your house and into your bedroom and on your bed into the houses of your servants and your people and into your ovens and on your kneading bowls. The frogs shall come up on you and your people and on all Your servants. Ick. Now I'm thinking millions of frogs. I used to, we used to drive. I lived in Hawaii when I was a kid in Kauai. And boy, there were seasons where you drove from one place to another and you probably killed 400 frogs. Because they love the road. They would come where it's warm, you know. This is worse. This is thousands, millions of frogs. Swarming from where? The Nile. The source of their power, and then and then flowing out all over everybody. Millions of frogs. I put this on the kind of the front cover of your bullet, and you can look, it's kind of like start counting how many frogs are there. They're a swarm, uncontrolled, and yet God is saying, I control them, I control everything. And here are these. Reptiles that are gonna, amphibians jumping all over you and jumping in. So the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, stretch out your hand with your staff over the rivers, over the canals, and over the pools, and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. I don't know, I'm still just a little bit like, well, okay, frogs. But he did it. Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt, but the magicians did the same by their secret arts, and they made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. Well, that's kind of interesting. These magicians. I can't make them go away, the frogs, but, but we can kind of make some come too. We can make a way to come. And there's, there's already swarms of them. We're just, I don't know where they're, how they're figuring out they're adding more, but God's doing that and they're out of control. And was like, please take them away. There's so many, they're, they're everywhere. What's with the frogs? One of their gods, right? a God that had the body of a human and the head of a frog. Same was Hecht. And Hecht was a God of fertility, of fruitfulness. They say so Hecht was what gave you children, was made abundance, made your life fruitful. The things you have, they're from this God. Rain, fertility, kids, abundance. So you see the picture. God takes the frog God and he. He stuffs them with, he doesn't take away the frogs. He doesn't take away, he stuffs them. You want abundance? Here, let's have, it's God pushing frogs at him. They're everywhere, there's swarms there's, and there's stinks. And so Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron, he said, plead with Yahweh to take away the frogs from me and from my people and I will let the people go to sacrifice to Yahweh. I'll do it, just get rid of these frogs. Moses said to Pharaoh, be pleased to command me when I'm to plead for you and for your servants and for your people that the frogs be cut off from you and your houses and be left only in the Nile. Tell me when you want it to stop, Pharaoh. So Pharaoh says, tomorrow. And Moses said, be it as you say, so that you may know there is no one like Yahweh your God our God. The frogs shall go away from you and your houses and your servants and your people and they shall be left only in the Nile. And so Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh and Moses cried to Yahweh about the frogs as he had agreed with Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses and the frogs died out in the houses and the courtyards and the fields and they gathered them together in heaps and the land stank. God did it, right? All their Fertility frogs stink. There's heaps of them. They just aren't in control. It's all God. And, and, and God makes them swarm, and then God takes them away, and fertility's a blessing, but totally at the mercy of God. We want to control this stuff. Don't think you're not like, oh, again, I, I do not worship some man with a frog head. I don't even worship frogs. Are you kidding? I don't particularly like them. They kind of creep me out. I don't kind of slimy. But I'll tell you what we do. I want enough stuff. I want an abundant life. I don't want to live in drought and in hardness and in badness. I I don't want too much. Don't get me wrong. I just want enough. But my enough is an abundance. That's what I want. Maybe you want kids. Maybe it's not kids for you. Maybe it's um, a money. But I'll tell you, you're like these people. They want things. What is God doing? He's smashing it. He's smashing it. With a crush. They ordered plenty. Well, I'll show you're not in control. Here's a boatload on top of you. And so as God commands, Moses makes them come. He makes them go away. Pharaoh says he's going to let the people go worship Yahweh. And then... When Pharaoh saw there was a respite, he hardened his heart and would not listen to them as Yahweh had said. In fact, the whole thing, everything that's happening is as Yahweh had said. Everything that's going on from first to last is as Yahweh said. He knows that Pharaoh's not letting him go. He's showing his people what's going on. This is for us to remember forever. The Lord's even in charge of that. One more, and it finishes this cycle of three, and it's it's after comfort Comfort. There's vitality, fullness of life, happy, torn away. There's fruitfulness, abundance, this hecked God stuffed and crammed down his throat. And now one more, and it's gnats. Right? So then then Yahweh said to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth so that may become gnats in all the land of Egypt. And they did so. Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff. He struck the dust of the earth and there were gnats on man and beast and all the dust of the earth became gnats in the land of Egypt. That's a lot of gnats. The magicians tried by their secret arts to produce gnats, but they could not. So there were gnats on man and beast. And then the magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened, so he would not listen to them as Yahweh had said. Okay, we've come a long way in these three plagues, right? The magicians were sort of easily reproducing blood, and then they kind of made a way to swarm more. They couldn't take away the frogs, but they could swarm them, and now they're like, dude, this is the finger of God. Right here. Will you think about it just for a minute with me? This is the finger of God, gnats. Do you know what gnats are? Little itty bitty 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 tiny bugs, smallest thing you can have, still has wings or whatever. Gnats, what's the deal? Okay, so you got to remember, right, Egypt is the pinnacle of civilization at the time. They've got the pyramids, they've got a maze, this is, these are the people. And, and what do they have? They're, they're proud of what they have. And so all of a sudden you have clouds of little itty, tiny, bitty bugs. What do they destroy? They destroy their comfort. Have you had bed bugs? Don't answer that. Have you been outside in the backyard enjoying barbecue and all of a sudden there's a fly of gnats that swarm you? They get into your mouth, you start eating gnats. It's like, wow, I don't need the extra protein. Just think if there's millions of them everywhere, you can't get away from them and, and, and you've bought the the, the Tempur-Pedic bed and the orthopedic pillow and you want to relax but you step in and you've got all these bugs in your bed. You've got no control over the smallest little bug. All the things we build, all the things we value, all the things we're after, all the ways in which, man, I got dressed and came to church today. I made sure I looked good and I cut my, well, at least combed my hair. There, I know, didn't do a good job. I think I control it, you know. And I don't. Every little tiny thing God controls. And especially the things I think I can get after about my Here, comfort, right? Comfort and peace. They're destroyed by these tiny little bugs. And here's God. I mean, I I, I think, well, this is so weird. Why does God use gnats? He uses gnats because they're tiny like the dust. And he just flies them in their face and it destroys their world, the little world they've built. And we're like them. I try to do everything right. I try to set everything up. I've done all the right stuff. My house is clean. My barbecue's hot. The fish is just so, and then gnats. God, people are coming over. Get the screen up to keep the gnats out. It doesn't work for them. They're too small. Gnats everywhere. Think about how we try and control our own comfort, and we actually totally need the hand of God. And, and, and what if he doesn't give it? I think it's like, I've got a little machine in my house. Maybe you've got one in yours. It sticks on the wall and I can turn the dial. Tells me just how hot and cold my little house is going to be. It's amazing. It gives me the illusion that I actually can control that kind of stuff. Like, I'm in control. If I turn the dial right, I punch the numbers in, I can control my house and it'll do fine. It works great until all of a sudden, gnats. Everywhere. The point is, is that even us today, when we control all these things, we're more sleepless and more stressed and more worried than we've ever been. Lack of peace, because we don't know the giver of peace, we don't trust in him. And God's showing the world, he's showing that the very smallest thing he's in charge of, he totally destroys the house of cards that they make and that we make. Comfort and peace given by the creator of our soul, not by our own efforts, not by our own gods, our own control, anything. Gnats. And all you've done is ruined. I'll just go inside and hide. That's the first three plagues. If you're a student of scripture, this is the first cycle. You know they're distinct because they follow a pattern, and you saw it here with me first. We'll see them in the next uh, week with the other two cycles. Is They start with, with God telling Moses a time to go to Pharaoh and him to station there when Pharaoh comes. And the next one's to go to Pharaoh, and the third one has nothing to do with Pharaoh. Just do it. And that happens again and again and again. And God destroys the control of their gods, happy and hecked, and then this underlying piece of comfort. But then I feel like I'm feel like i part of the world, and I feel like you are too. I long for vitality, for, for fullness of life. I long for fruit and fruitfulness for my life to count. I long for comfort, even just a little comfort for me. That that, that's today, that's what God came to the word, says let my people go, and he's destroying those idols. He's pushing at these things that I actually hold fairly close to my heart. And we need to see it because we're worshipers. We don't worship a man with a frog's head. We laugh. We know it's fake. But then we strive and we worship and we covet and we long for a full, vibrant life, for, for comfort, for community and friends and food and meaning and then for kids and money and respect. And we pour our hearts out for peace and comfort and, and we try and control our lives. And God takes it down. And He will take it down for you. What do I mean? Death is coming that's what I mean. Look around. I see a lot of people who are going to die unless Jesus comes back. I look in the mirror. It's not comfortable. There's not vitality in that for me. Doesn't feel fruitful. It feels like death, right? And, and 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 that's because we're blind and this is what we need deliverance from. And so I say this to you today and I look at you and I say, you know what? You've got these idols, you guys. I have them too. I'm not excluding me. These are the natural idols of our flesh. We've got them and we want them. And they're not idols that like the Egyptians are drawing people, but there are idols. And then you're going to say, I know you because you're like me. I'm going to say, dude. Maybe you're not going to say, dude. But you're going to say, I hope. I do long for some of those things. Even more than I long for God. And then you're going to say, you know what, Dax? I'll stop that. I'll shut that baby down. I'll work on not being that way. I see the problem of that. You're right, false gods are bad, and they're not just idols of wood, they're idols of the heart, and I do those things. And you start thinking, that's the way I'm going to go, right? I'll stop, I'll change, I I seek too much after that, we'll not do it anymore. And then we don't. Not not do it, we don't stop. We switch out one comfort for another, one set of friends for another, one community for another, and we just keep tootling on. Because the issue is not seeing that you're wrong and changing, is it? Not this morning, not from our text. The issue is God delivers you. Deliverance by someone else, rescue by a God who takes away and breaks your idols. The issue is these gods will fail you and they fail Israel because they got the blood and the frogs and the gnats too. They're not excluded in this arrangement so far. God comes in his hidden ways and he dismantles us, even as people, and our hope isn't in our getting rid of the frogs, getting rid of the gnats. It's in the deliverance of God. And he might be today working in the gnats that he pushes at you to destroy your comfort and to find your vitalities in the blood of Christ. He will resurrect you. Your fruitfulness is in the work of Christ, his fruitfulness for you, not your own stuff-your-face fast food that you call your own fruit. Your peace is by the mercy of God. And so we remember today, today, God tells his people, I will deliver you. And when I'm faced by the mirror and I look at my heart and I realize it's not as it should be and I say to God, oh, I'll make it better. I won't make it better. I I don't mind the try because we're seeing how bad it is. But you're always going to fail. So our hope is Christianity. And this is the message of Christianity is that you will hear today, Jesus Christ paid for you. And he will not leave you. He will resurrect you from the dead He will break the idols of your heart. He will begin, even now he can start, but I'll tell you what, it's gonna happen because he promised it, it's gonna happen. And by his blood, he's purchased you and you're his. And this is the great hope we have this morning as we look at these plagues and we start to even think just a little bit about, you know what, I, I, I worship in ways that are against God in my heart and I'm not going to some satanic temple, and I'm not doing horrible moral things, but I I do continue to have the things in my flesh that, that, that I run after that aren't perfect, and I can't seem to change, and my hope is not in the change. It's in the God who delivers. That's our message today for you. That's my hope for you. As you begin to see the plagues, this amazing God who uses creation itself to do powerfully what he wants to do. And that God is your God. Receive it, will you? Let's pray.